Hello and welcome to the eBiomedicine podcast. I'm Dr. Sayeda Saleha Hassan, a UK senior editor for the journal, and I'm joined by Professor John Cryan from APC Microbiome Island at University College Cork, who's on the journal's editorial board. We will be discussing a recent paper, The Microbiome Gut-Brain Axis, Regulate Social Cognition and Craving in Young Binge Drinkers, for which Professor Cryan was the last author and collaborated with researchers at the Department of Health Sciences, University of Florence, Florence, Italy, and Lover Experimental Psychopathology Research Group, Psychological Sciences Research Institute, UC Lover, Belgium. And this paper garnered a lot of attention from the media and scientific community as binge drinking is the most common pattern of alcohol misuse during adolescence in Western countries. The main findings of this research were alterations in the gut microbiome of young binge drinkers and identification of early biomarkers of craving. Professor Cryan will also speak more broadly about how the microbiome can affect behaviour. Thank you very much for joining me, Professor Cryan. To initiate this conversation, could you please briefly explain the extent of the binge drinking problem and what is already known about the role of the gut microbiome in social cognition? Uh, well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on, and it's a real pleasure to be here today to talk about this paper, which we, you know, is one we're very excited about. And I have to first give real credit to Karina uh, Carbia, who was a postdoctoral uh, fellow and psychologist in my team. And as you say, she is now based in Belgium, but all of this work was done while she was here in Cork uh, overall. Um, and Karina came to us really interested uh, with her background as a psychologist in the psychological underpinnings of binge drinking, and because because this is a very serious concern in our modern society. About one third of all people between 18 and 24 can be considered binge drinkers. That is taking, a, you know, six standard drinks uh, in a session at least more than once uh, a month. And, you know, um, the question is, is what does the long term consequences does that have on susceptibility to alcohol use disorder or other disorders in general? And uh, it perhaps was a little bit surprising that Karina chose Ireland. Uh, she, she was coming originally, originally uh, from Spain uh, to come to Ireland to study alcohol binge uh, 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 intake, but, but um, uh, she did. And, uh, and uh, you know, we, st we went on a recruitment drive and, and uh, it was very clear to us that binge drinking, especially among university students, which is a large part of our population, is very common. And indeed, Ireland has one of the highest levels across Europe in, in binge drinking uh, overall. And it's so much so that we found it at times difficult to get controls who didn't binge drink. And for this study, we were able then to stratify our populations uh, into those that were really heavy binge drinkers versus those that were uh, met the criteria for binge drinking. And Karina, in her previous work, had shown that there are very psychological, enduring psychological aspects about uh, th that underpin binge drinking, but 
what was the big question for her and, and, and what, why I, what I was interested in is what are the biological constructs? What was the bio biology underpinning this? And uh, my lab is really interested in, in how uh, the well, really in gut feelings and how your gut talks to your brain to influence behavior. And so we, we over 15 years now, we've been shown that the gut is able to uh, uh, regulate various aspects of behavior. And, and um, most of this work has been in experimental animals initially, but, you know, more and more we're seeing this translate to the human condition. And what our studies have shown um, that if, uh, for example, animals grow up without microbes in their gut, uh, so you alter this cut-brain signaling, um, that they develop social deficits. Uh, we also find that you can affect social behavior by specific strains of bacteria. And when we, um, a number of years ago, together with colleagues here and in the US, we surveyed across the animal kingdom. And what we found was when you interfered with the microbiome, the one type of behavior that seemed time and time again to be influenced was social behavior. And this was whether you were a bumblebee in a hive or a baboon in the wild, it was social behavior that you were affecting and vice versa. If you start to change social structures or social hierarchies, uh, the, then you start to interfere with the composition of the microbiome. And so we started to really come together that there's something about the social brain that makes it quite sensitive to these microbial signals. So for Karina's study, we wanted to see, well, would the binge drinking lead to enduring effects in the microbiome that would lead to changes in social cognitive processes that would lead to uh, perhaps a biomarker of susceptibility to further alcohol misuse later on. So that was the premise. Um, and um, it, it, it really showed us some quite new and very uh, exciting uh, uh, insights that we, that, that we hadn't really uh, thought about uh, before. Sure. Um, so leading on from that question, can you state the goals of the study, which you have briefly touched on already, and how did you design your study to achieve them? Initially, we, we, we went on recruiting just basically binge drinkers versus controls, uh, 18 to 24-year-olds, very tight uh, demographic, uh, largely from our student population, as I mentioned, but not exclusively. Um, and this was all started pre the pandemic. Then when the pandemic hit, we had to put things on hold and we had to kind of, you know, do, try and reawakening the, 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 the drives throughout that. For, for journals like eBiomedicine, it's, it's easy to forget that the, the, for these types of human studies, the, the real impact the pandemic had on, on, on research uh, is it, still not fully uh, you know, recognized. And I don't think people are fully acknowledging it, its impact. And, and for a study like this, it was huge because the, this is a study where we, we bring people into the laboratory, we do a basic screening, we take a variety of biological and psychological measures, and then we, we come back three months later and look at uh, their craving. So the, so it's a quite longitudinal study. It allows us to see, are there relationships with some of these biological markers and the craving aspects related to binge? But you need to keep people well and safe. And so it takes it, it, it uh, certain tenacity. And uh, I congratulate Karina and the whole team, indeed, for, for being able to get this done uh, overall. We reached our, our recruitment um, 
goals. The 71 individuals uh, were recruited into the study. What we wanted to make sure is that we could take, get rid of any uh, confounds around other psychopathologies, other drug uses, medications, other medical disorders, or whether they met the current criteria for alcohol use disorder. All of that was excluded. We looked at other variables because the microbiome in your gut is sensitive to many, many variables, uh, such as diet, um, uh, BMI, uh, when the last binge episode was, all of them were, were, were taken into account. And then uh, on the biology side, we we asked them to collect a, a stool sample for looking at um, using shotgun metagenomics to look at the compositional profile of the microbiome. We were able then to look at inflammatory biomarkers as well as um, mark markers around tryptophan metabolism, which we've been very interested in in the context of inflammation, uh, as well as stress responses, both um, um, cortisol and the cortisol awakening response. Now, during this period of, of lockdowns and various things, uh, Karina and I would have these discussions about, you know, what is the biological underpinnings? And we really feel that the data was accumulating that there was this interface between the gut microbiome, the immune system, and the brain that was really uh, uh, underpinning what was going on. And so we were trying to triangulate this relationship in the context of binge drinking. For cognitive tests, we, we used a bespoke battery of, of uh, tests that would really capture the social cognition, and, um, and, and that was really important. And then we have a fantastic bioinformatics colleague, uh, Thomas Bastiansen, who's the second author on the paper, who interrogates the, the tea leaves, that is the microbiome analysis, and was able to read into that, what, what are the microbiome signature of bench drinking, whether there was early microbiome markers of craving and whether we could look at any of these associations. You found that binge drinking was associated with distinct microbiome alterations as well as emotional recognition difficulties. Can you please tell us more? I guess one of the first things we found was our hypothesis was, was actually validated that we found that there was this the, a correlation between the number of binge drinking episodes and uh, inflammatory cytokines. So, so that was kind of a relief to, to, to start that, that part of the process uh, very much and that this was also a link between cravings uh, and, and some of these inflammatory markers. We also found uh, on the psychology side of things that there was a relationship between if we looked at dose of uh, binge drinking. So uh, people who met the criteria versus those that were high binge drinkers uh, that were in the, in the, in the, in the top quartile uh, of binge drinkers, that there seemed to be a, a very clear relationship between this and the recognition of sadness in an emotion recognition test or in the recognition of disgust. And we also did a, an effective, what's called an effective go-no-go task, which is basically where you put a, a words like optimism or happiness and how quickly there are people are able to respond to uh, positive versus negative uh, signs on, on a screen. And we found, again, those with a um, uh, high uh, binge drinking had a slower reaction time to some of the positive valence uh, aspects on that. So we were, again, getting um, relationships between binge drinking and social cognition. That was clear. And then on the microbiome side, we were starting to see that there was 
not wide scale changes on on what we call alpha diversity, which is basically within a sample, uh, how diverse it is within a sample, but, but between samples, we were able to see clearly that there was a relationship uh, between uh, binge drinking and, and beta diversity. And then we could look into what actual um, uh, species of, of uh, bacteria are changed. And perhaps surprisingly, there wasn't as many as we expected, to be honest, uh, given given the beta diversity changes. But those were on high beta drinkers, there, there was a specific bacteria uh, genre that were actually changed, uh, olive types, uh, bellinella in particular. But I'm not so worried about the individual ones because it gets a little bit, uh, and your listeners will, will, will wonder, well, what does all this mean? But it's really trying to understand, well, what are they doing? And so we could look then using a bioinformatic approach to see what is the metabolic capacity of these bacteria? And we were able to find shifts in, in specific short-chain fatty acids, for example, which are really giving energy to the um, host overall. Um, and, and really for the first time, we were able to identify specific bacterial strains and, and, and the capacity they have to, uh, to generate certain uh, metabolites were, were altered under the conditions of high binge drinking. In the follow-up, both we were able to look at craving, at baseline, and, and how this extends all the way to three months later. And indeed, we were able to detect that some of these bacterial uh, species that were were found to be changed, uh, related, dare I say, associated with craving at baseline, continue to be associated later on and could maybe somehow predict what was going on later. Although to use the word predict is quite dangerous in such studies uh, overall. Um, what do you feel are the potential implications of this study? You know, this is what was most exciting to me was like, and, and I would have these discussions with Karina at the time, is like, well, you know, okay, we're finding associations, but like, what, what can we do with this information? Could we develop a strategy to shift the microbiome under conditions? Like, we could tell all young people, stop binge drinking. Now, as a public health warning, that would be good, good advice, you know? But, you know, we also have to be realistic in terms of what we're doing. But if people are binge drinking, is there anything that we could do to change the gut-brain signaling in a, in or at least prevent any changes from occurring and, and, and bolster us during these these very sensitive times. So uh, probably the best way to look at this is through diet. And so what our data, what the next step would be, and, and Korea is going to be continuing this work in Lola, is like looking at dietary approaches that will target the microbiome that would be able to then maybe resist some of these changes occurring, even under uh, extreme situations as high binge drinking. That needs validation, that needs testing, but you know, it offers a, a direct uh, link there. So this study very nicely contributes to a very growing, a very large growing body of literature, which connects the microbiome to behavior. Yeah. Would you like to put this study in a greater context and maybe shed more light on this connection in a broad way? Absolutely. So what my lab is really interested in is understanding the relationship between the microbiome and the brain and behavior at key windows across the lifespan. And the two things that we're fascinated about right now is one is about uh, mechanisms. 
how how do microbes send signals to the brain? And and we're getting, you know, through animal model work, we're getting some insights into that. And then when the signals get to the brain, how do they affect circuits in the brain that underpin complex behavior like those in relation to craving and 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 motivation, uh, etc. And and we've been doing a lot of work in in different um, areas of of reward pathways, whether it's reward for food, reward for cocaine, reward uh, here for alcohol, and looking at reward circuitry underpinning this and this has been really important the second thing that we're really excited about is okay this all works in animal models but can we translate any of these findings to the human conditions uh, in the wild in the real world situation and can we understand the relationship between the microbiome and the brain and a particularly social brain in normal people and then can we build that onto in pathologies and can we then develop what we've coined here in Cork as psychobiotic approaches for managing mental health disorders. This is why I, I, I was really excited about uh, collaborating with Karina on this project because it was so much about bringing things in a mechanistic way forward to be able to really showcase that, you know, if you're working now on alcohol and binge drinking, then you cannot ignore the impact that the binge drinking is having, not just on the brain itself directly, but also in on the body, on the microbiome and on the immune system and how they're all talking to each other. The other implication for me, which is really important, is um, while for this study we, re we recruited adults over from 18 and older, this is really an extended adolescent period. And the adolescent brain is a really exciting area in um, uh, neuroscience and in psychiatry in general, because this is a time window when you have the, the last stage of brain development occurring. And, and we really begin to understand and appreciate that we have an extended adolescence well into the 20s. And so what, what could happen here could be quite different than what happened at binge drinking it later on uh, in life. And, and understanding how the microbiome is shaping the circuits that underpin in social behavior at this key critical window in adolescence is really important. And we need a lot more studies in adolescence in the microbiome fields right now. Uh, thank you so much. That was great context uh, for the field in general and also very nicely highlighted the kind of mechanistic studies we look for um, in our journal because mechanism is, is, is a key point. Um, that leads me to the last question. What are the future steps for your lab and collaborators for this research? Well, what this study has shown is wonderful associations but they're not telling us causally you know w w what we want to get at is try and understand how would we under how would we move forward and look at causal mechanisms i i really would like to do uh, larger scale studies in humans, cross-sectional studies uh, across uh, a population which would vary in its social cognitive processes. And so that would be, you know, trying to understand what is the relationship between the microbiome and normal social uh, and personality processes and how can we bring that in and stratify people based on how their microbiome could be shaping. And then if we modify that, how much can we really change people's social decision-making, social uh, 
um, uh, interaction in teams, uh, how people um, are empathetic towards each other, how people are 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 are, are um, uh, competing with each other. You know, could we ever make the Irish football team win anything again? Uh, you know, and and these are things that 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 are sound a bit outlandish, but if we really believe that the microbiome is changing the social brain, and these data would support that, then we need to develop a strategy to really test that to its ultimate limits. Like there are no good studies on what happens when you wipe out the microbiome and 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 uh, uh, what does it do to social uh, um, cognition? Because largely people take antibiotics because they're sick and they're probably not that keen on being social with anyone. So therefore, you know, it, and people always say, well, they're sick, so they're not social. But maybe they're not social because the microbes are no longer able to communicate appropriately overall. So we're very excited about where that's going. The other thing that's really exciting in my lab right now is about circadian biology and the microbiome. And we're really excited about that. It may also have a relationship here with binge drinking because a lot of binge drinking happens in the evening time. And that may have a different effect if it happened at a different time of day. And maybe it's not what our microbes while we're feeding our microbes, but when we feed them, that's really important. And then while I've used the word microbiome throughout uh, this uh, uh, conversation, I actually really meant the bacterium. And the microbiome is much more complex, including the archaea, uh, the fungi, but also the viruses. And we're really excited about the, the, uh, the, how viruses uh, and bacteria interplay in an ecological system in the gut and how that could play a role on brain and behavior. That was Professor John Cryan from APC Microbiome Island at University College Cork. You can download and read their paper for free from our journal's website. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for our other exciting podcasts in the pipeline.